Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Post 20 Podcast. You are now listening to episode 177. Uh, This is just going to be me today with a special guest. Evan is not with us today. He's dealing with some, some issues with his mouth. He's having to wear braces for a long time now. He's got like a partially fractured jaw, so... Uh, he's been dealing with some pain, and he, he decided that maybe he should take the this week off for the episode. So we'll see next episode if he's able to come back in some capacity. But like I mentioned, we have a special guest. Uh, he is the third member when it comes to the Pick'em with the Prem stuff. Zach, welcome back. It's I think this is the first time you've been on since like October or something. Definitely before the World Cup. Yep. Silent mastermind behind the 500 pickums. I am shooting to finish dead even. It looks like uh, it's going to be pretty tough because the last couple weeks we've all had really really negative weeks. Um, nobody had nobody's had a positive record in. Oh, scratch that. I two weeks ago I had a positive record, but it's been pretty cold. There's only been like th- two or three positive weeks in the last. Um, five pick'em weeks we've done so the records have been pretty bad so let me just say at the start the week 24 results Evan and I went three and eight uh, and Zach top, topped it off five and six so overall that puts Evan and I both at 108 to 123 uh, and Zach you're leading 109 to 122 so really close um, when we get to the pick portion for this week's episodes, uh, or this week's game, sorry, um, I have Evan's pick, so I'll say them, and then you obviously can read yours. We're only doing eight games, not including the Wednesday games coming up, so we'll include the, that in the Tuesday episode we'll do. Um, yeah, sorry about the scheduling issue with the episode. I was going to do something Wednesday, but I kind of got scatterbrained and kind of had to do like three things at once and it just escaped my mind the episode so we postponed to friday and i managed to get zach on here so uh appreciate you coming on here yeah we roll let's go so we're jumping back all the way to like nine days ago to this arsenal city game um it's tough this would have been a good one to have evan on back-to-back arsenal games to talk about but Man City win this 3-1 at the time it put them top of the league both on 51 points uh, it opened up with a mistake from Tamiyasu in the 24th minute. Week back pass De Bruyne chips it over Ramsdale. Opens up the scoring at the Emirates for the away team. Uh, right before the half, there's a penalty decision given to Arsenal. Ederson, Ederson takes out Eddie Nketiah. Saka steps up, scores. We go into the half 1-1. From there, Arsenal's controlling a good bit of the game. Uh, Possession-wise, they held the ball for 63% possession. The entire game uh, playing a city side that is remarkable but 72nd minute they work the ball down the right Man City does uh, Gundogan slips in Grealish gets a little deflection off Tamiyasu makes it 2-1 um, and then Zach's boy Erling Holland in fantasy league gets the third from an assist from De Bruyne making it 3-1 and solidifying uh, Man City's win against Arsenal here uh, and then we did see a late appearance in the 87th minute from probably the worst signing of the year, Calvin Phillips. So um, what would you say about this game uh, and what does it mean for the title race, Man City getting this win mentally over Arsenal? It's their second win now against them this year. It just pulled Arsenal back from the big gap they had 
And I mean, in this game particularly, City's City's offense was too threatening for Arsenal to deal with. That's why they got those two goals later in the game. But yeah, it made the title uh, within reach for City and United right behind them. Yeah, not not including the next game we're going to talk about, but at the time, that was two defeats and a draw for Arsenal in their last three games. And yeah, they went on a run of dropping points. Yeah, in any title-challenging season, going three straight games dropping points is not what you want, right? No, that is going to be a point that people look at if they don't win the title at the turning point in the season, right there, when they went on that run. Yeah, and then the last thing before we move on, what do you think about this Bernardo Silva role? He's been, he's technically been filling in for that Jao Cancelo role. He plays like left back, and then fills in next to Rodrigo as like a holding mid. What do you think about Bernardo Silva being put in that situation with his build? Uh, I mean, Pep is is pretty fortunate to have a team that deep where he can have those kind of talented players fill in that role on the fly. Yeah, with, with a, guy, a guy like a town as talented as a midfielder as Bernardo Silva, he can he can only do as much as he can. But I mean, that city team is so deep that they have guys that can fill that role in the meantime until they get their signing. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Three days later, the next match was once again Arsenal. Little break here, but it worked in their favor. They got into a shootout, a four-two win over Aston Villa, playing former manager Unai Emery. This put them back top of the league on 54 points. Uh, didn't start out the way they wanted, though. Fifth minute, we had Ollie Watkins in the fi- uh, getting the opener, assisted by Matty Cash. Kind of took Arsenal by surprise, but 16th minute, Arsenal applies the pressure, takes a shot, rebounded out, Sokka on the volley, equalizes. Uh, Aston Villa was not uh, threatened by this. They continued on. Well-worked goal down the left side. Buendia does a dummy, Coutinho on the finish, top of the box, gives Ramsdale the eyes, and then tucks it in the bottom left corner, giving a 2-1 lead into the half for Villa. Uh, Arsenal had a lot of play for here. Like I already mentioned, the previous three games, they've been dropping points, uh, and a loss here would have been detrimental because Man City, uh, going into the weekend, were playing Nottingham Forest. So on paper, it was looking like a dub for them. So Arsenal come out, Zinchenko scores his first goal in the Prem, assisted by Odegaard to equalize. Uh, his celebration was minimal, he just wanted to keep going because a point wasn't going to be enough for them uh, for their goals this year. Didn't come. The winner didn't come until the 92nd minute uh, in stoppage time. We had Jorginho, new signing from Chelsea, hit a volley from top of the box, hits off the bar. Bounces down, rebounds off Emmy Martinez's head, and goes into the goal for an own goal. Uh, I messaged in the group chat, once a gunner, always a gunner, because Emmy Martinez came from Arsenal before his Villa run here. Uh, and then uh, Martinez in the 97th minute goes up for a corner to get a potential equalizer. Arsenal counters, Martinelli gets an easy tap in on the break. 4-2, massive win for Arsenal here. Um... What did you? What was your take on the game, and and where can Arsenal go from here? Well, on the game itself, I mean, both managers used all five subs. So late in the game, you had pretty much half half a lineup of fresh legs out there, and uh, Martinelli, one of the subs, was able to nick that last goal, the fourth goal, to to seal the deal there. But going forward, I mean, this is big for Arsenal. Just need to keep winning to stay top of the table. And uh, as Unai Emery's first season with Villa, so he's got to do as much as he can to impress. Put two on Arsenal here at home. I mean, they dropped it late, but 
this is this is big for Arsenal to stay atop, fighting for the title or leading for the title race. Yeah, and Aston Villa's and they've been looking a little out of sorts lately. Three straight defeats now in the league. They were making a making a climb up to the top ten, pressuring Chelsea a bit. Only three points behind them currently. Um, as well as Ollie Watkins has been firing off. I think that's four straight games he's been scoring in all comps. So um, he's got his role a bit more figured out now. Yeah, it seems like it's more the back line. We have Mings listed here for error. We know Martinez the own goal. Um, Matty Cash's role has kind of been minimal at times now since they've been working in Ashley Young in there. So uh, what do you think's maybe missing potentially with this Villa team? What's one one area they maybe can improve on going into their next couple fixtures? Better structured defense. Hold, hold a lead. Or at least hold, keep a game from getting out of hand. I mean, this was against Arsenal league leaders. They put four on them, but with a bit more... Uh, or a team more well-matched or well-suited to them, like a mid-table or lower-table team, I think they they got to get a lead early and, and hold it. So defense, I would say. Yeah, and then uh, what would, one more thing before we move on. What would you say about Arsenal's defense now? That's They've given up uh, six goals in their last three games. Uh, is that is that going to end up being a way for them to win the title, or is that going to cost them a bit if they keep leaking goals in these high-scoring games? Leaking goals, uh, I mean, that's could be the difference between a win and a draw, so I would say, yeah, that could be a detriment. Yeah, because we've seen titles being decided by goal differential at times. and uh, Man Not City. even necessarily goal difference, just the, the difference between three points and one point, just because of how close the teams at the top end are, are in points. Yeah. Okay, moving on to a more mid-table result here. We had Brentford 1, Palace 1. I would say Palace here were hard done by. This would have been their first win in a long time. Uh, but they continue on their un- their uh, winless streak. Um, that is now seven games in a row. They haven't gotten a win in the league. But uh, first half was bland. Nothing happening. Cards, a few cards given out here and there. Uh, the lead didn't come until the 69th minute from Eberiche Eze, uh, assisted by Michael Elizade, who's turned out to be an absolute stud this year, breakout star. Uh, came from Reading last year in the championship to Patrick Vieira and Palace, uh, boosting the culture squad of the league. Uh, nice dinked in cross, Eze with a nice header. Gives them the lead. They hold on to it up until the 95th minute, where Brentford worked the ball down the right hand side. And Buema whips in a ball. Nathaniel Klein, a little too short with Tony and Yanel coming up for the header. Yanel puts it in back stick. Palace absolutely fr- frustrated to the ends. Brentford ex- exuberant, happy because keeps them on their unbeaten streak now. That's, that is, what is that? What is two, they're on a two-game win streak, two-game unbeaten. So, I mean, they've been riding lately. I'm looking here, six straight games. They haven't gotten a loss. Uh, what do you think about this Brentford team uh, so far this year? And then uh, you can make your point on Palace. They've done well as the season went on. They've they've adapted to the competition. Even with the season past, they've, they've shown that when the top six teams have been slipping up, they are ready to push the gas pedal and put the pressure on to fill in that missing top six spot. 
or at least pressure it. Yeah, that's 11 straight games now that without a defeat in the league, which is the longest right now currently. Um, they're sitting ninth in the league, only four defeats out of 23 games. So they're a really stout team. Their defense is solid with Ben Mee, one of the best signings of the summer from that Burnley team that went down. Ivan Tony obviously has been a massive player for them, getting I think around uh, 14 goals so far. He's thir- he's tied for third most with Marcus Rashford in the league. Um, they're very fortunate with the whole betting thing not turning out to be anything. It does, seems like nobody cares about that anymore, from what I can see. Uh, and Boimos having a solid year. Their midfield's great, uh, and David Rye is having a great performance in goal as well. So. Uh, and then on the Palace end, kind of the opposite. They're a standard mid-table team. They're doing just enough to stay in that middle of the pack. Uh, they have good quality in their squad, but it just seems like they don't have that killer instinct to get the winners. They're seven straight games now without a win in the league. Yeah, they need a goal scorer. They're they're looking just like uh, a, a smaller version of Brentford, I would say, or a less uh, developed version of Brentford. They're just lacking the... The experience, I would say, and uh, a true goal scorer. And it really hurts that Zaha's been out for him. Yeah, they only have four goals in their last six games. So it's really tough. I mean, the comp- the, the results are good. A, 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 uh, sorry, a draw against Brighton and a draw against Brentford are really good. But they need to sprinkle in some wins in here, too. They also got a draw against United and, and Newcastle. So they can compete with the best. It's just, like you mentioned already, the goal scorer thing, which is a lot of... A lot of teams in this league struggle with at the moment so um they're in no trouble right now Patrick Vieira they're in no danger of getting dragged into that relegation battle yet they're six points clear currently so they should be okay yeah they just got to stay up and keep building the squad they're in a decent place moving on to a contest between two overperforming teams this year Fulham 1-0 over Brighton away this win puts Fulham in sixth place in a Europa League position. Uh, before I get into the game, we all thought Fulham was going to get relegated. They had the whole yo-yo club uh, narrative on them. Just like Norwich, they come up and then they go back down. What has been a difference that you've seen in this team to for their success, I guess? A belief in a system. And a way to play. That's something that teams like Chelsea and Liverpool have lacked. Teams that should be in that four, five, and six position in the table, but you got teams like Fulham, Brighton, and even Brentford right on their right on their heels filling in. So it's it's just all about a belief in your manager and, and a system and something to play for. Yeah, they have eleven wins in the league, which is fifth most, so obviously that equates to where they are on the table, but Plus five goal differential for a newly promoted team is very, very good. This is like Leeds when they first came up and Wolves, I think, five or six years ago. So they've done a fantastic job. Uh, no Mitrovic in this game. He's still been dealing with an ankle injury all year, uh, even in the World Cup as well. So if they rested him here, there's potential that uh, we're recording this Friday, February 24th. Fulham played today against Wolves and... I think they're saying Mitrovic is doubtful, so they're going to go a few games without him, but they still get the win here. Uh, it affected their play, though. Brighton controlled 65% of the ball here, which is understandable, um, but the winner didn't come until the 88th minute from Manor Solomon, who they brought in from the summer. 
had a long-term injury. Now he's got two goals in their recent games. Uh, a winner here as well from Carlos Vinicius, the replacement for Mitrovic. So key guys are coming in off the bench that normally don't play and are getting are contributing hugely to their success now. So it's a massive win. Beating this Brighton side isn't easy. Uh, this is their seventh defeat in the year, but they're very, very good defensively, good structure, and their attack's been very good too. So they held out a, a dominant uh, Brighton side with great wing play in Matoma and March. Ferguson up top didn't do too much. He had a pair of shots on target, but uh, he still has kind of dropped off from that form when he first came. you got to remember he's only 18 years old. Uh, but Burnt Leno has been a standout for me in goal. He's been very, very good. They've been holding a lot of clean sheets lately. That's three straight games with a clean sheet against big competition there, including Chelsea and Brighton here. So um, what would you say on the Brighton end? I know you're huge on Brighton and your fantasy. And uh, since Graham Potter's left, it seems like they've only gotten better. I mean, they're great at creating chances. Like you said, Mitoma and March play key roles in that team going forward and even coming back on defense besides of the ball. 21 shots that game, almost just about 600 passes. I mean, they, they, they create the chances. You just couldn't get them in the back of the net. Like you said, Leno and goal was solid. Uh, Fulham's defense held strong, so it was just a tight game, and it was a late winner from uh, a late sub. So that's just how it went. Yeah, you got this one right. This was one I thought was going to be a draw, but... It is what it is. It kind of got stabbed at the end. Um, moving on, talking about getting stabbed. Chelsea 0, Southampton 1. Southampton do the double on Chelsea this year. Puts them on 18 points. Still in dead last, but Chelsea have contributed a third of Southampton's points this year in the league. Um, so we are a fodder club. Um, I said last show that if Chelsea lost, I would be significantly angry and upset, but... It's been a while now, and it's kind of turned into, like, disappointment over anger now. It's one of those things where it's like I'm losing more and more faith in Graham Potter, and I think the executives and the backroom staff have kind of accepted that this year's a dud and we'll finish how it is. But in the moment, you can't really get over it. You want to see your team perform, and for a club with Chelsea standards, with serial winners and highly competitive attitudes and we expect so much more and to be in a position here where we're battling it out with Villa and Brentford and Brighton it's like it's very depressing so and with the the quality we have and it's there's so many ways you can look at it but in this game we lose to a James Ward press free kick the one thing that Southampton have for them is what we gave them uh, I think as P tackled uh, the forward for Southampton, top of the box, about 20 yards out. And it's prime Ward-Prowse range, and he absolutely crushes it. Uh, only puts in one one free kick goal behind David Beckham for all-time direct kick goals in the Prem. He's on 17. Record's 18 with Beckham, so I'm sure he'll be able to do that in the next couple seasons, depending on if they stay up this year. So uh, what did you think about this result? And your thoughts on Chelsea so far, because it's been a while since you said anything about them. Well, I'll get the positives out of the way first. It's 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 nice to see Southampton get a win and their new manager coming in so he can have some sort of confidence that gives that team some belief, because I'd like to see them stay up, especially with Ward-Prowse, like you said, with the free kick goals. I think uh, if that team pulls out of the relegation, it'll be a, another great story added to their history. And it all could start right here with this win at Chelsea. 
And for the negatives, I mean, this result just is going to sum up Chelsea's season. A tight loss. I mean, the game was just out of reach for them. The, the lineup was not all there. I mean, you made six changes thanks to that. Uh, well, not thanks, but oh, yeah. unfortunately, because of that's Malaqueta. Uh, head injury, you got a concussion sub for that. So they had six changes. I mean, you almost had two lineups out here, and they couldn't get it done. So it's it's just disappointment. I mean, you would expect Potter by now to have his eleven figured out, but he clearly doesn't. Yeah, uh, I think I think the squad is you have like thirty senior players, and he's still rotating guys every now and then. There's too many. There's too many options, and at this point in the season, he should have his eleven figured out, and he doesn't. So they're just scrambling for points now, and can't even get a win at home against bottom of the table Southampton. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, yeah. Uh, prayers going out to Aspi. I think he's, he, if he hasn't already been released from the hospital, he will be shortly. Just a concussion, as you mentioned. It was a rough direct kick in the face with an awful sound. But yeah, he got knocked out. Yeah, he got knocked out cold. It took about ten minutes to get him situated and off, and he was conscious leaving the pitch. So that was good. Um, we saw youngster Fofana, uh, David Datra Fofana, start up top. The young. Ivory Coast striker we got from the Norwegian league um, seems like a bombing is completely out. He's just done. No, there's no po- point in putting him in anything. They pulled him from the Champions League squad, so probably won't be able to see him. Um, another positive is Angolo Conte is getting close to signing a new deal. He's projected to come back right around the second leg of the Dortmund match in the Champions League, so. Getting him back would be massive. Him alongside Enzo Fernandez would be great. Um, and yeah, it's just putting chances away. We have the we're tied for the second best defense with Arsenal only giving up twenty three goals, but we have a bottom a bottom six total in goals for with twenty three. It's not acceptable. We're creating the chances. It's we are literally watching Brighton. If you put Brighton shirts over top our jerseys, you wouldn't. You, it wouldn't change anything. You'd be like, oh, this is just a Brighton team. And it seems like that's what it is. And There's not anything Graham Potter can do when it comes to guys scoring. The chance is there. They hit it, and it doesn't go in. There's nothing Graham Potter can do to coach them to score. That's on them. The play's good. They're getting put into the right situations. It's just that time after time in any competition, they can't put the ball in the back of the net. And that I don't, I for me that has nothing to do with the manager. The plays there, the 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 buildups there. We're breaking teams down. You can't put the ball in the back of the net. I don't know. Maybe they have to be more direct. Maybe we need to be more fast in the buildup, less less possession out of the back. Just go for it more, and stretch teams out a bit easier. So it's. I tough. can't imagine anything productive getting done in the locker room after these games. I just imagine it being completely silent. And everyone just wanting to get the hell out of there. Yeah, it's 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 a it doesn't terrible... seem like there's any any motivation. Any well, there there is motivation. I mean, you get all the new guys coming in, but there's no no one really has a vision for what the team is going to be this year. Yeah, and I think I can not saying I I can say what the exact problem is, but for me, playing in college, like I've been in situations here on struggling teams where we only get a handful of wins during the year out of like 18 20 games but you have a lot of guys in the locker room you go into these games with 
knowing we have talent, but it just, just the results don't go our way and little things here and there, and it kind of adds up and it carries over and you're thinking, oh, it's going to be one of those days and it can build on you, but they just need one of those, one thing to go right for them and it can add up and you kind of build off that and you need to get some camaraderie going in the locker room. And I think maybe there's just too many bodies in there, as you already mentioned. We need to get to the summer have a, a big exodus of names leaving if we can get like five guys to leave at a minimum i think that would help a lot and i think there are people that want to leave too anyway because we already saw bombing it's not working out zx should have left in january the paperwork didn't get done in time so i think we will see a handful of guys leave definitely and others leaving on loan potentially so we just need to get to the end of the year. If we can somehow save this year and get into the Europa League, I think that is a success for this current time and for where we are now. I think that would be great because right now we're seven points out from the Europa League, which is a, a big gap this at this point in the year. So Chelsea at this point looks more like a, a means to launder money than a football club to me right now. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. Step one is, is figuring out the eleven. Yeah. Once they get that figured out, then they can go forward. Yeah. So uh, we can talk about this for another five to ten minutes, but uh, I just want to move. We got a few more games. Yeah. Exactly. We got more games. We have a bottom uh, relegation six pointer right here. Everton one leads nil. Sean Dice keeps rolling. He's got six points out of nine in his in his first three games. Very successful. They're out of the drop zone by one point. Uh, both these wins coming at Goodison Park, very good. Uh, establishing that that home home field mentality, the dominance. Anybody that comes in our place is going to have a hard time doing anything, and it happened here. Uh, from a non-conventional way, Seamus Coleman in the 64th minute, uh, Awobi hits a ball down the line. Uh, little to no angle for Coleman. Luckily for him, Meslier in goal, <laughs> a good eight yards off his line. Coleman takes it nice and easy. Nice little gift there for him. Uh, a long time since he scored, and that was the winner. What do you think about uh, Sean Dice and what he's done for this team so far? I think he fits the mold of Everton, just that club perfectly. I, th I think that is exactly what this team needed. I mean, he only made two changes in this game. so And if you watch it, you can see the, the home crowd was really rallying behind the team, and that probably just gave everybody a second wind on that field to hold the win. Hold, hold the clean sheet, get the one nil win. So Everton reinvigorated, I would say. I mean, need more results to get out of the relegation zone. But yeah, up and up, I would say. Yeah, and then on Leeds end, 10 straight games without a win. It's really, they're in dire streets. They fired Marsh a few weeks ago. Yeah, shortly they let Marsh after go. the window, a little questionable there. Uh, I think they finally brought in a new manager. Uh, there was <laughs> anybody that was asked did not want this job, but they signed 52-year-old Harvey Harvey uh, Garcia. Uh, the he just came from Watford. Um, he led them to a 2019 FA Cup final. Uh, he Watford he did. Um, he's managed in La Liga and in Qatar, so he's been around. He's got a bit of philosophy. Um. Is that what they well, need? Is that what they need? Just like they need a, a new manager. So they need to like the, get rid of these caretakers. Uh, they need somebody with a new identity just to bring it in. They need someone with a more well-rounded uh, 
sense of tactics, I think, because leads to me have always been a one-sided in terms of how they play the game. They're, they've been very offensive heavy, very intense. I think they need to be a bit more, not cultured, but more, I don't know. They, they got to be stronger at the back, I guess. They, yeah. they need more structure to the team as a whole. Yeah, it seems like McKinney and Adams have, since Marsh has left, have still been starting every game in the middle. Uh, Aronson's role has taken a ma major hit. He's just been a bench guy now. Um, Jack Harrison has been taking his role with the surgeons of Nyanto and Somerville having good good play on the wings. So tough to see it from an American front. But, yeah, just lacking that goal. Uh, they just need a proper manager to, to give them set goals or a set guideline to follow they they need guidance yeah and he couldn't come in at a i don't know the best time but probably he comes in at, for one of the most critical games of the year they're playing southampton this week whoever loses is last um if whoever wins is going to be incredibly massive for them so um it's a it's a big game for him so it will see if he can get off the mark right away and i think that game is home for them as well it's gonna be at ellen road yeah so that would be tomorrow, Saturday, uh, February 25th. Um, so, yeah, it was a big win for Deich. Uh, it builds that confidence that they're going to stay up. So nice to see from them. We move on to, I would say, the, the more shocking result of the weekend. Nottingham Forest won. Man City won. The odds for Forest to win this game was at least plus 1,000, would you say? Had to have been, yeah, but... I have a or even to get a point, even even to get there. even to get a draw would have been like plus six hundred. I would say that's incredible. This just shows how much better they are at home, because when they play on the road, they are a bottom. They are the worst team on the road this year. But when they're home, they are very good, and we saw it here. Forty-first minute, Bernardo Silva. We were talking about earlier gets a goal assisted by Grealish. Uh, dominate the ball. They had the ball seventy-three percent. Incredible. Uh, 23 shots to Nottingham Forest. Four with only one shot on target for Nottingham Forest. And it was their goal in the 84th minute from the Kiwi of the year, Chris Wood. Assisted by Morgan Gibbs-White. Gets across the box ball. Tap in. Chris Wood. Mr. Irrelevant. Is that the new podcast award? Kiwi of the year? So I think Chris Wood's going to clean out that one. Yeah, he definitely would. I have to do my research in the last decade for New Zealanders in the Prem, but I think unless he is, you're watching rugby, he is the front front runner. Um, yeah, I mean Nottingham Forest. When I look at the home table uh, uh, league, Nottingham Forest would be in ninth when it comes to home field results, and away they are dead last. They've only scored three goals on the road, so. I, I wasn't surprised that they got managed to get something here. I might have said something on the last week's show saying I wouldn't count them totally out from being shut out here. So what is this what is your what does this do for Man City in their title race? Because they have four losses and four draws this year. This isn't this isn't a normal Man City year when they win the league, because they're dropping too many points. Now, first off I wanted to get the Went on Forest out of the way. I agree with you on uh, everything you said. I mean, there you just mentioned a bunch of stats, so they're all factually correct. At home, they're they're great. I like watching some of their home games because they got a 
crowd always shows up. Team plays well at home. Steve Cooper gets the boys rallied up. I have to, to say, watch. I have to say, I, gotta, no, I have no beef against Steve Cooper, but he's got to be the ugliest prep manager I've seen in a long time. It, yeah, he's up there. It's he's a bit, of, there. It's a bit out of pocket, but that man, he gets the job done. That's the important thing, but Jesus, he's not good on the eyes. Yep, I agree with that point as well. <laughs> uh, if you want to do a manager list at some point, <laughs> I think that'd be a good idea. But anyways, I digress. Uh, City, with Pep, he always has a mastermind plan going into every game. He's got his way of looking at things, and they usually work out for him. And they have in the past. That's why they've won a bunch of titles. But recently, and with this game that we're talking about now, Forest and City, things did not go according to plan. And he's mentioned in the past with his five substitution rule, oh, I can't wait. But he doesn't seem to adapt his plan and even use the five subs. They only made two subs in this game, and it was De Bruyne and Foden in the 89th minute. He didn't change anything. Goals aren't going in the back of that. He didn't change anything. He just stuck with it and hoped they would get it done, but they didn't because Forrest, I mean, rallied enough. They got a bit lucky at times, I would say, but Navas came up big. The defense stood strong, and then they got that late winner, or late uh, equalizer. Felt like a winner. Yeah, he had Mars on the Pep, bench. He didn't use him. Pep is being forced to adapt because the, the skill levels around him are changing, and I don't think he is planned for that change and we're seeing that here yeah they're still dealing with the whole financial fair play off the field with the prem um i don't even think that has an effect with what's happening on the field yeah yeah, that's also happening yeah no so that that, that's two games in their last six they've dropped points the loss to spurs which it doesn't seem like he can get past them and then forest here so this gives arsenal a two-point cushion once again in first, as well as Arsenal have a game in hand on them, so they can make that a five-point gap, which would be massive this point in the year. Uh, we carry on to another game here towards the bottom end of the table. Wolves nil, Bournemouth won. The Cherries getting a massive win. Their first win in their last eight games. What's your stance on um, Bournemouth here? Because they've been a big punching bag this year. They've given up the most goals, 44. Beginning of the year, we get we remember that 9-0 thumping from Liverpool. It ended Scotty P's job. Um, what do you think of them? They brought in a couple guys in the winter window. They've shown that they're willing to stick around, and they'll put in the work when it needs to be done. And they came up against a wishy-washy Wolves side here. They're either, they've been hot and cold all year, I think, and this was a cold spot, and Bournemouth realized that, and they took the three points from it. Yeah, we saw... They they get the points where they desperately need it, and I think that's why, uh, if they stay up, they will stay up. Yeah, I I projected them to come dead last. I don't think they're out of the woods yet, but getting a massive win for a team in this area, against a team in this area, is good. Uh, Marcus Tavernier got the winner, assisted by Dom Solanke. We've seen this combo a lot earlier on in the year. Tavernier coming back from injury recently. Uh, a ball whipped in back uh, across the box. Tavernier just deflects off his thigh and goes in past Saw. Uh, Wolves, we know they're historically not the best at finishing. They had four shots on target. Compared to Bournemouth's one, another one where, just like Forrest, they had one shot all game on target, and it was the goal. Uh, 
Wolves dominated possession. This is a typical FIFA game. You dominate the ball, you get all the chances, and then the AI just goes up the other end and just shits on your chest real quick. So tough scenes there for Wolves, but they've done well recently. They've gotten three wins in the last five, which is very good. Big wins there against Liverpool and West Ham too. So I think they're pretty good. Lopetegui, I've loved, I liked that he's changed the mentality at the club. The play's been better since Bruno Lage left and I think they're pretty cozy there in the league, um, but they're joint joint with Everton for the least goals in the year so far, with only 17-4. So that's that's obviously the area they need to improve. Um, the Diego Costa project, I think we can safely say, is over. It's unfortunate. Um, he was a short four to six week solution. Uh, even Jimenez can't even get in the team now, so it's tough. Um, Adama Traore has been a good impact the last couple games. He's only been playing 45 minutes to 70 in all these games, but we know he has a major impact. He's got a unique archetype in this game, in the league, and at times it works and at times it doesn't, but that's Adama Traore. You roll the dice with him. So big win for Bournemouth. Congrats to them. They go into a matchup against Man City this week now that it's going to be tough. Um, They could take points off. Moving on to the last Saturday game before we move on to the two Sunday fixtures we had. Uh, a result that normally, if you asked somebody, would be easy. Liverpool 2-0 win, but the way Newcastle's played this year, it's a bit surprising. And they got the job done in the first 20 minutes here, Liverpool did. Tenth minute, Darwin Nunes uh, with a direct pass from Trent over the top. Uh, brings it down well, scores again. I think this is his third or fourth straight game with a goal. Um, and then as well, Cody Gakpo getting a goal assisted by Mo Salah once again. Nice direct buildup from Liverpool for being out of Salah. One touch ball over the top. Gakpo scores to double their lead. He's finally settling in well, carrying over some World, World Cup form. And then I think the moment of the match, uh, ball, ball caught from across on Allison, quickly distributes it with a long ball out to Salah. Nick Pope challenges Salah for the ball. He kind of goes for a diving header uh, and misses it. And then kind of kind of with his natural senses, he just uses his hands to grab it real quick. Uh, immediate red card from the referee. Newcastle go down to 10 men. They bring in Martin Dubrovka. Nick Pope now out for the Carabao Cup final against United this Sunday. Um, and from there... Newcastle did fight. They didn't give up any more goals with 10 men. Even even with 10 men, they were getting chances here and there. They had more shots than Liverpool in total in this game, 14. Only four on target, but they battled. The fans were still clapping after the game. They, they were proud of the boys and their performance at St. James. And they're still fifth here. They, they lost their fourth-place position to Tottenham. We'll get to that game. But this is their, what was that? This is their first loss in over over 18 games i mean the only two losses they have this year are to liverpool surprisingly with the year liverpool are having um what, what's your take on newcastle here and, and their year so far because once again i bring it back, back to the fantasy portion of it you're big on New, newcastle's defense don't get discouraged that's all i would say don't get discouraged you set yourself just got out of hand early and there was a fluke red card on their goalie which no one could have predicted from this game and playing with 10 men against liverpool down 2-0 i mean it it was almost 
unsalvageable at that point. He just he he started right uh, Eddie Howe. Uh, he started rotating the squad later in this game, just getting getting minutes to to his bench players just so they can get ready for the the, the League Cup final coming up versus Manchester United. So I mean, it got out of hand early, and they took their loss here. And I think they should just move on. Liverpool was fortunate they buried it early because they bleed chances as the game goes on. I don't think their defense is putting nearly as much pressure on teams as they should. And I think if Newcastle still had 11 men, they could have got at least a point out of this one, but they didn't and lost lost control early and Liverpool took advantage of it. But yeah, don't, don't, Newcastle shouldn't get discouraged at all. Yeah, as soon as Newcastle got down to 10 men, Liverpool kind of le- le- uh, laid off on the press a bit. They let Newcastle build up more, and it really opened up their defense a little bit, which has been their weak point this year. Uh, one more thing before we move on. Darwin Nunes is a very polarizing figure on this podcast, especially with, with Monsieur. Um, what's your take on him? He's He's been firing off now. He's I would think it's safe to say he's officially off fraud watch for a couple weeks now. Uh, what do you think about him this year so far? I don't have any issues with him he's on a team that shows that it can create the chances and has created numerous chances in the past for forwards to bang in goals so i don't think uh he's a fraud or should be on fraud watch at all this is his first year with the club he's getting settled in he's figured out his role now he just needs to to be on the end of any chance he can and put in the back of the net i don't i don't see any issues with him yeah, Liverpool should be happy now. Plus, they're getting all a bunch of players back from injury. We're seeing the last couple matches for uh, Firmino and Jota coming off the bench. So, if those guys are out of form, you have two solid options there to come off the bench too. So, with this win, uh, that's two in a row now for Liverpool. Big win in the derby against Everton, and a big win over Newcastle puts them right back in the mix for top four now with with a, a, a game in hand over teams above them and two games in hand. Uh, over Fulham, they they're right in there in the mix for top four still, which is kind of shocking with 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 the form they had middle of the year here. So, um, we'll say if you want to watch anyone on the Liverpool team for fraud watch or for anyone that's lacking, look at the defense. Yeah, I mean, it, it all it all starts at the back. I think if the defense lets up goals, it's going to discourage anyone on the team. Because yeah. when you go forward with the with the threat and talent that is on that Liverpool team going forward. They're excellent, but when they lose the ball and have to backtrack, it's like you can see the the forwards, like you said with Nunes, you put him on forward watch, you seem getting discouraged because they know that the defense has been lacking. So I think the defense is, is the question here with Liverpool. Yeah, if there's anybody that gets more stick than Nunes, it's Trent on this show. So, yeah, I, I, you're, you're definitely based when you say that. Um, okay, moving on to the two Sunday games. Uh, light on the Sunday window, but we're two solid matches here going in favor of the favorites. Uh, Man United getting an, in fact, 3-0 win over Leicester. Uh, two goals coming from Marcus Rashford, first in the 25th, assisted by Bruno Fernandes, uh, and then in the 56th, from, assisted from Fred. He's having a phenomenal year. Like I said earlier, he's got 14 goals now this year, putting him tied for third, uh, three behind Kane and 12 behind Holland in the Golden boot race. Um, I think we can definitely see him get to 20 this year in the league. Uh, and then the third coming from Jane Sancho, who went on a little reset quest in the Netherlands, uh, gets assisted from Bruno Fernandes. 
great performance. The team's working well. Everybody knows their role, it seems like. And you're getting all these points without Casemiro in there. Sabitzer's come in and filled that role. You guys have him back now. We saw him play last night, uh, getting the win over Barcelona. You guys advanced to the round of 16 in the Europa League. You guys drew Real Batiste, uh, an easier matchup, I would say, on paper. Um, what did you think about the performance here from your boys? Early on, we could have been down 1-2-0 one, one, with this Leicester team. They came bursting out of the blocks. Uh, I think they had on here, it said 19 shots total in the game, only three on target, but still. Yeah, I think this early, was a, they, I think this we was needed a record. To, this was a record, 45 total shots in the game. We needed De Gea to bail us out early, and he did. I always say every week he's always due for at least one uh, world-class save, and he shows it every week uh, this year. So he helped us out early. Coming into the second half, tactical changes were made. The boys went out. They got it done. Uh, like you said, Rashford has been banging in goals. I mean, I, if we if we had uh, another sh striker or a forward on the level as him, we would just be scoring three every week just like this. But we've been getting it done without a, a true striker. We've been playing with uh, most games. We've been starting a striker who was at Burnley last year and only scored two goals. True. We're getting it done with him. So this is just goes to show how much work Ten Hag has done to this team. He also and, scored two big World Cup goals. Yeah, he did. But yeah, this, this just goes to show you that we got the right manager. He knows what he's doing. Players got full faith in him. They've bought into the system. You got guys like Sabitzer coming in from Bayern who was getting criticized because he didn't play at all or he was a second-rate midfielder. Uh, but he's coming into this team and doing his job where he needs to. Going in for Casemiro, like you said. Fred, who's been pretty much a rotational guy over the past few years, has been starting in the team and doing his part defensively, goalkeeping, all sides of the ball. This team's great right now. Yeah, and we saw a youngster in uh, uh, my—I can't pronounce that—but Mano, uh, Kobe Mano. Yeah, Kobe got in there, 17-year-old midfielder. We saw him get a debut in the Prem there. Yep. Nice to see given from a uh, big Eric. Um, and yeah, on Leicester's end, they've had a very, very up and down year. When you think about it, they've scored 36 goals, which is around the top seven area in the league currently, but. They've given up 41 goals. Their defense has been their detriment this year. Uh, they sit on 24 points in 14th position, only four points above the drop zone. Brendan Rodgers has done a good job this year to keep his job for the area they're in, similar to how West Ham are with Moyes at the moment. They did bring in new signings, specifically in the back line, in Harry Sutar and Christensen. They've been playing every single game since they've joined, uh, replacing Amarty and Luke Thomas. So uh, is that is that the, the key to them succeeding? Because we know they can bang in goals. Iannaccio's in good form. James Madison is a killer. Harvey Barnes is, is a solid winger in the league. And Kenny, or not Kenny, but just Tete on the wing has seemed like a decent signing for them outright. So is the defense their main problem right now? Uh, if you had to pick one, one uh, aspect of the team, yeah, I would say. But I think... Uh... Raja's done well to get results with this team. I mean, that's why he still has his job. This this game wasn't as much a, a Leicester letting it happen or letting it get out of hand. It was just more so that Manchester United was too much for him. 
Yeah, and they've given up 11 goals in their last six games, so they're averaging a little under two goals a game against, which is not going to get you anywhere near the top 10, in my opinion. So well, There you go. That goes to show you the defense, and they made signings. So Yeah, so I think they have more favorable matchups coming up, but uh, it's always tough going to United and expecting to get a result. And I think they had a good, good performance. 3-0 didn't show for uh, how they played offensively. Uh, and then well, I don't think Ben Rogers was too upset with it. I mean, it just they were they just got overpowered. Yeah. So, uh, as well as uh, United, when we talk about the league, they move up to third, only three points behind Man City, level one games with them, uh, and then five behind Arsenal, with Arsenal having a game in on him, on a game in hand on them. Uh, so, would you say they're in the mix for a title race? Without a doubt. No. I mean, the pressure's on. We're just going to go in every week and try to win our games, but the pressure's on. There's, I think uh, they're the hottest team in the league right now. Would you say it's all on Rashford? In terms of scoring goals as of recent, probably. Putting the ball in the back of the net, yeah, but I don't think uh, you can single out anyone on this team and say it's all on them. I think it's a team effort. Defense has stepped up, stepped up a lot. Uh, Martinez at the beginning of the year obviously had the whole debate on his height issue but seems like it's not a problem anymore he's one of my favorite players in the team this year yeah he hypes up anybody for any play they do he's an absolute dog he's got the nickname the butcher oh, that guy will absolutely chop somebody's head off without a question and veron right next to him has fi- found his way again so when he got signed for the club and the performance he performances he was putting in i thought he was going to be in and out the door uh, similar to Pogba, we we're going to blow money on him and then lose it on the sale. But now, yeah. Ben Hawk came in, told everyone what they had to do. Yeah, he's, and they're doing it. Yeah, he's historically been a, an injury issue or an injury liability, but he's filled in well. He retired from international football, so he's all in on his career at the club. So uh, I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon for Ten Hogs plans, uh, as well as you guys have a seven-point lead on Tottenham in fourth. So top four is looking pretty secure. Uh, Very happy about that. We move on to the final game, Tottenham 2, West Ham 0. Another disappointing result for West Ham. Keeps them in the, well, it dropped them into the bottom three because all the teams below them won. Um, So now they're in 18th position on 20 points, one point from safety. Losing to Spurs here, who have been kind of up and down as of lately with with, uh, Antonio Conte not being at matches with his uh, gallbladder surgery. So. Uh, they are undefeated when that assistant coach is there in Conte's place. I don't know if you knew that. I think they're like six and zero when he's the manager, exclusively at the game. Uh, since Conte's still been in talks with him and still manages the team, though. But yeah, but Conte's nice just not present. Set. Right. Uh, nothing in the first half. Just a yellow card from Oliver Skip, who I think is not fit to play in that midfield for them. He doesn't get the job done entirely. Uh, if they want to keep going at a consistent rate, uh, that that season-ending injury for Benzincourt is tough to for them, but they'll have to make two goals. The goal came in the 56 from Emerson Royale, linking up with his fellow wingback Ben Davies, out of all people. Uh, the odds of that combination to score had to have been plus 10,000, um, but it happened. He scores, holding out new signing Pedro Pora, who they brought in. Uh, on loan till the end of the year, young, young, uh, highly rated wing back that brought him in from Sporting Lisbon. Um, and then the second goal came in the sec- 72nd minute from substitute Sun Hu Ming, 
who was on the bench to start. Charleston played in front of him, assisted by Harry Kane. 2-0, nice easy win for Spurs. Gets them back on track and also puts them into fourth, jumping Newcastle. Um, I guess your, my first question would be, what are your thoughts on Tottenham? And are they good enough to finish top four? And then West Ham, and with their struggles so far, are they able to get out uh, and not get relegated? Yeah, I think Tottenham can stay top four. They just need to get all their wins at home, which they did here. I mean, textbook win, like you said. If anyone did a Premier League pick them this week and you didn't pick Tottenham here, what are you doing? Yeah, that's me. But uh, they were just the more they, they were the better managed side, made the right subs, made the right changes, got the goals, held the clean sheet at home. I mean, by the books, they got it done. And if they keep that up, they can stay top four without a doubt. And then beat all uh, the teams below them, especially at home. Yeah, and then West Ham, can they get out of the drop? Is there enough quality in that team? If they don't keep pace with the teams around them, like Bournemouth or Everton or Forest, who are all getting results, then no. Yeah, their their attack obviously is their main issue. They've only scored 19 goals defensively. They're decent, only giving up 29, which is the best in the bottom 10 out of all the teams. Um, we've seen a massive drop-off from Jared Bowen from last year. I think he had a double-double when it came to goals and assists, getting over 10 in each category. And People got way too overhyped on him. Um, we know he came from Hull City originally, and he's had a meteoric rise to the Prem and having a great year last year with West Ham, but Antonio isn't consistent. He had a great start uh, the one year. I think it was last season. Um, Flynn Downs started up top with them, which I don't understand why Ben Rama doesn't start every single game. Um, he's just like Mars, in my opinion. He should be playing every game. Emerson is, I agree. Emerson is getting consistently started at left wing back now since he's joined from Chelsea. So it seems like Cresswell is just done. He's on the down, down slope of his career there. They play with that back three, Ogbonna Aguerd, who they brought in from Rennes in the summer, um, or Stade Rene, one of those two clubs. He's done great. He's got Champions League experience. He's turned out to be a decent signing. Uh, and Tilo Care, who they got from PSG. So they have experienced guy, guys from high-level clubs, but obviously Ogbonna came from Juventus a handful of years ago. So, yeah, it's just getting the build-up going and creating those chances to score. They only had six total shots here with only one on target from Jared Bowen. So that's obviously not going to be a, a equation for success, or it's not going to be an equation that leads to success. Um, obviously, going to Spurs, a top-four club, you're not going to expect to get anything out of it, but still putting up a better fight would have been nice. Um, and I think they get a... A big match this week uh yeah they play Nottingham Forest so it's a must win for them uh I would think if West Ham lose this game I think Moyes leaves potentially what do you think about that yeah I agree I mean it's a I think it's mostly a managerial issue at this point with choosing the right players in the squad they can say with Ben Rama I, I remember seeing a report where Moyes doesn't get on well with uh non-English native speaking players and they have oh. quite a few of those on that team. He's very likely more, I mean, you can see it in the style of play. He's more so traditional uh, English style of play. Or he's Scottish, but similar, you know, traditional English style football. And I think it's it's about 
adapting the style to more modern sense of play and choosing the right players of the team and I don't I'm not sure if he's doing that. Yeah, out of all the current bottom six teams, Wolves, Everton, Bournemouth, West Ham, Leeds, and Southampton, West Ham are the only team that haven't changed their manager so far, so uh, that might be coming soon. But the problem is, like, who's available? Too too late. And who's available and who the hell would want this job at this point where they're at? So it's a hard sell with 15 at the time if they lose and Moyes leaves with only 14 games left. That's very little no, time I've... for somebody to come in and dig them out. West Ham's definitely a favorite for relegation right now, I'd say. Ooh, you could probably get them at plus money, I would say. And it, it does not help that Southampton got a fluke win over Chelsea this week, too, along with all the other uh, teams down there getting points around West Ham. Yeah, Wolves, Everton, or no, sorry, Everton, Bournemouth, Southampton, Forest, all getting positive results. Yeah, it doesn't help them. So uh, that concludes the recap from Game Week 24. We move on to game week 25, where we only have eight games to give you here. Um, or sorry, was that? That's nine, actually. Pardon me. Um, or no, sorry, eight. They still have this Newcastle yes, Bright, Brighton one on here. Sorry, my website is weird. So uh, I guess I'll start. You can give your pick, and then I'll give mine, and I'll also give Evans. So first game we have Fulham hosting Wolves. That game is today. Uh, February 24th. Well, what do you think here? It's saying that Mitrovic um, is doubtful. I'm going with uh, Fulham to get it done here at home. I think they're just the stronger side at the moment, and especially at home, they're going to get it done. Yeah, Evan agrees with you. He's going to ride with Fulham here. They've done decent this year at home, picking up six wins out of 12, whereas uh, Wolves on the road are pretty... Not the best, only picking up two wins on the road out of 11. So, And they don't score many goals, as we've already mentioned. So I'm still going to go with a draw here. I think they play, speaking for Fulham, I think they play really a lot differently, obviously, without Mitrovic. The guy scored 43 goals last year. He's already scored 13 this year in the Premier League now for them. Willian has had a good, good uh, success, has had good success over the last couple weeks, but... Without a out-and-out striker week in and week out for them like Mitrovic is, I don't think Carlos Vinicius can put up the same performances that he does that they can break down this Wolves defense enough to earn a result. So I'm going to go with a draw. Next game we have is Everton hosting Aston Villa. Where do you go here? I'm once again going with the home team. Going with Everton to seal the deal here against uh, the Villa side who has been scoring goals, but Going with the home team, Everton, I think, uh, are going to stand strong. Yep. Uh, Evan's going the opposite here. He's going to go with Villa. He thinks they break that three-game streak of losses. Um, For me, I'm going to also go with Everton. I love them at home. Sean Dice is a solid guy. They play well. No DCL, he'll be out, as well as main man in the middle, Onana. He's He's doubtful currently, so... We may see Tom Davies start in the middle, which kind of makes me queasy a bit. But I'm going to ride with them. They'll get an ugly win here, and it'll help them climb up the table even further. Next game we have is West Ham hosting Forest. The loser leaves town specifically for West Ham here, in my opinion. Where do you go here? 
I am leaning more towards a draw in this game. Initially, I was looking at West Ham to get it done at home, but I think Forrest, especially after taking a point off the city, will come in with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. And this game could either end 0-0 or 1-1. I think might be a late winner if there is a goal, or a late uh, equalizer if there's a goal. So I'm going to go with the draw here. Okay, you changed it on me from the last time you gave me your picks. So you're going with the draw. Evan is going to go with a forced win. This would be their only their second win on the road. They've only scored three goals on the road this year, giving up 25 out of 11 games. Um, so, And West Ham at home aren't the most successful, only earning 14 points out of their 20, which obviously is that you should earn more points at home, but... I th- I'm going to go with West Ham again after last week. They let me down against Spurs, but this is a must-win game for Mo- must-win game for Moyes. Uh, and I think the boys will play for him a bit here. So I'm expecting like a chippy 1-0, 2-1 game for West Ham. Uh, next we have is Leeds-Southampton. I'm just going Leeds at home straight up here. I just think uh, attacking-wise, they're, they're going to put all the pressure on Southampton, and I'm not sure they're going to be able to handle it all. New manager bounce. I like that. I'm also going with Leeds, and so is Evan. Uh, next, we have Leicester hosting Arsenal. Where do you see this laying? I'm giving this as a straight-up Arsenal win on the road. Better managed side. They'll make the tactical changes they need. Game could get out of hand, but I think they have the weapons to deal with it if it does. So I'm going Arsenal on the road. Yeah, I don't think you have to ask what Evan picked. Obviously, Arsenal, and I did as well. I think the defense issues that Leicester have is going to be a problem, especially yep. after Arsenal put four on Villa. I think they can definitely put another three with the defensive issues Leicester have at the moment. So I think Arsenal's a solid pick here on the road. Uh, their road record is the best in the league, picking up 28 points on the road out of 12 is very good with a plus 15 goal differential. So it's looking very good for them. Uh, and Leicester at home are the second worst team this year when it comes to earning points. Uh, we move on to Bournemouth hosting Man City. Are we going to see another upset here like Forrest last week, or is Man City going to just roll them? Yeah, two weeks ago, I think it was the City-Villa game, I called my shot early on the City dropping points. I picked a draw on that game when they actually drew Forrest. Uh, I did say earlier, I think Bournemouth could take points off of City here. But uh, I'm not going to... Not going to go with that. I'm going to stick with City getting it done on the road here, and I would love to be proven wrong on this one. Yeah, them dropping points again could open something up for United here, depending on uh, their result. Could close the gap even further. Uh, a loss here would put you level on points with them if you win. But uh, both Evan and I are riding with City here. It is saying that Kevin De Bruyne is questionable. He He's listed for an illness, uh, but saying he, he will be available most likely. So we might not see him start, which could be massive because of Holland's service. Uh Last game on the Saturday slate we have here, we have Palace hosting Liverpool. Historically, Palace have been Liverpool's bogey team. It seems like there are a lot of people's bogey teams looking for their first win in, in eight straight games there now for Palace. 
Liverpool trying to climb up the table. What are we saying here? Yep, I'm going with the with the uh, the script here of Palace being a bogey team. I'm taking the tie, one uh, one one two two, whatever it is. It's gonna be a draw. Yeah, Evan is going with Liverpool, and I think I'm gonna go with Liverpool too. Um, they just got embarrassed five two in the Champions League against Real Madrid. Um, very very embarrassing at home as well. That's something that they're gonna have to clean up. Palace, uh, or sorry, Liverpool on the road has been poor this year, only picking up 11 points out of 11 games on the road. That is not what we normally see from Liverpool. Um, and Palace, on the other hand, are solid. They can compete with the big boys. So I wouldn't say this game's going to get super out of hand, but it's going to come down to the wire. And I think I'm going to have to lean towards Liverpool here with the with the norm, just plain boring pick here. Uh, and then last game that we have for this slate, the only game on Sunday, not counting the League Cup final against with Newcastle and Man United, we have Tottenham hosting Chelsea. Um, I really could not care less. I have no idea what's going to happen here. It's really depressing at this point. But where, what do you think here? Uh, we just took a dump on Chelsea earlier in the show, so I don't really have any reason to give them any points in this. I'm taking Spurs at home. Oh, he changed it. He had a draw originally. Okay. No, they they don't deserve that. Okay. Zach's going with Spurs again, like last week. What It worked for him. Evan is going with a draw. And I think for like one, only the second or third time this year, I'm going to go against Chelsea. I'm also going to take Spurs. Um, yeah, I just don't. I don't see the positives, and uh, I'm, I'm not believing in Graham here. I think there will be a lot of chances for us. I think we will have the opportunity to to take the upper hand, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Like again, so. I just I just think it's going to be one of those games where it just comes down to uh, the managerial aspect of it later on, especially if it's close. And I give that edge to Tottenham. Yeah, well, I don't even know if Conte is going to be there, so whatever. Um, hopefully he is because then they'll lose but if he's not there it's Spurs on a lock so I'm back in Spurs Zach is backing Spurs Evan is going with a cheeky a cheeky draw which I wouldn't be disappointed with on the road to Spurs um, a win would be incredible but yeah that concludes this week's episode a little bit over an hour only eight games to pick from this week next week's slate will be a lot thicker a lot more games to go we have two midweek games on Wednesday um, those being Arsenal, Everton, and Liverpool Wolves. So uh, that'll be on your birthday as well. So a really happy birthday there. Uh, Thank you. We will record on that Tuesday, the 28th. That game that will include those Wednesday and the upcoming weekend of those fixtures. Um, until then, follow us at Post20Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, once again, apologies for the late episode here. Uh, we will have that episode Tuesday. Um, all wishes to Evan. Hopefully he's recovering with his, with his jaw, uh, with those braces on. And uh, yeah, Zach, thanks for coming on. Uh, really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, Got to come on to, to up the reds here. Yeah, when they're flying high, of course. Um, make sure you follow us uh, at Post20Pod at SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as well. Leave us a five-star review, please, so it gets... Uh, sent out and recommended to other people as well. Uh, and yeah, thanks so much, and we'll see you next time. Take care.